It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who made a 20-minute video about Rodrigo Bentancor, in which he basically deconstructed his own tweet. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. It's one of my sort of more niche <laughs> videos. Very um, meta. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I just sort of... Um... I just wanted to kind of show my workings a little bit rather than arrive at any sort of especially interesting points. Because, no, I, I, because I approve. He's good, you know, he's a good player. And I think that everyone sort of knows that he's a good player. Um, and there isn't a huge amount to say there. And also, I say in the video, like, when I say he's a lot like Hoybier and he's a lot like Skip, you cut, you don't need to be shown that, like, telling is mm, enough there, I mm, think. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, it was, really, it was a really good video and I definitely approve of you showing your working. We've had this conversation before. I really like... Um, I like it when you explain your process. I find that interesting, and I'm sure the X-Ups find it interesting too. It's it's good stuff, mate. It's very good stuff. A um, couple of things before we get started. Firstly, one of our listeners, Harry Reardon, has written a book. He got in touch. Uh, he's written a book um, about two British sportswomen. It's called How to Be an Olympian. Uh, the sportswomen women were trying to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics and the Paralympics. If that sounds like your kind of thing, you can get it in all the usual places and you can get a sample of that uh, in the most usual places. <laughs> That's enough promotion for a company that does not need promotion. But um, congrats on, to Harry on the publication of, of the book. Um, Bardi Danny Norman says, Bardi, I completely agree on Juve being poor in transfer dealings. But the elephant in the room is that with the, a few of those mentioned... Paratici was the director of football. Face palm emoji. I uh, <laughs> I didn't clock that live. For some reason, that just sailed over my head when you were saying Same. it. And then when I edited it back, I went, "Oh no, we just let that. <laughs> we just let that go on." You just let that go <laughs> because um, a human being can learn from his mistakes. <laughs> but, but a so club he, is what... fundamentally attached to the approach. <laughs> he's he's learnt from his mistakes. He knows what went wrong. And he's going to move on from that. As human beings, we should all learn from our mistakes. And I'm fully behind Paratici learning from those. And I, I'm really excited by what he's doing at Tottenham. Let's hope so. Time, time will tell, I guess. Mm. 
Uh, we've been quite productive on the Patreon this past week. So aside from Nathan's Bentanko video, um, Bardi did a live stream. Yeah, I've got, I need to have a word with Nathan about this Bentanko video yeah. because maybe we'll get into it, but there needs to be a, a statistic measure yeah. of forward pass, which results in the team with the ball losing it. So Heuberg is the master at playing a forward pass, yeah. which technically is a completed forward pass, but the pass is so bad that the the, the player who collects it can't do anything with it. And I, I just think... I have a theory that Huyberg is an absolute stat padder. And against Brighton, he did this so many times. He just passed the ball at someone's face and they co- they controlled it. Successful, it didn't go successful forward pass down on, down on the street. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it is a successful pass because it reached its target, but the game, the move died right there so, and then. So would the XG chain um, solve that one, Nathan? No, if... no, because that's... The worst statistic going. That's, that's harsh. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe there's something to that. Or maybe Vardy, uh, in the face of being shown Hoivier's positive statistical output, is clutching for reasons why no, he's shaking his head. <laughs> no, I, I think Hoiberg is one of these players that, that it continues to split um, opinion because statistically he looks pretty good. But in real life, he's not. He's he's just not good, and uh, yeah, I think this is the problem. And I, I'd, I'd like I'm looking forward to seeing Ben Tanker just to show him how much better football is. There there has been work in in um, these kinds of areas statistically. Those those metrics have been conceived of and worked before. Um, I don't know if it's something I'm gonna be able to <laughs> to work out. My my coding definitely isn't at that level. But uh, it's, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I would log into Y Scout and do an hour video about Hjordberg's bad passing, <laughs> but I don't want to be accused of uh, of having an agenda. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> I, I think he's good. I think he's good. Um, we'll we'll come back to his Brighton performance. Um, uh, but Buddy, you didn't mention your your live stream. You oh just, yeah, my you, life. you just took the took the platform, <laughs> used the opportunity Sorry. to to dig at Nathan. <laughs> So yeah, live stream is back once a week. That's a, that's a that's a promise. <laughs> Plus mini mini blogs where I can fire shots at, at Windy um, <laughs> with extra length and not having to do it on Twitter, so the whole world sees it. So X subs get the X subs pay for the privilege for me to fire shots at Windy. Luckily, I've got broad shoulders. Um, what what is your live stream? You still not de- describe what your live stream is? <laughs> Sorry, we um I've become a team called AC Mate in uh, in England, and we can only sign Argentinian players, and we're taking on the Premier League's best with a, a team of pure Argentines so we, we're struggling we have a couple of games in, we had a tough start to the season we had um, Arsenal at home Man City away and Liverpool away and we didn't we scored one goal in those three games but we got fully smashed so I don't know how much longer this stream would last I think I'll probably be fired once again by Christmas <laughs> and this is so this is Football Manager in case anyone yeah, hasn't realised from the well. description I lost to I lost to Norwich away from oh, the Cup <laughs> I did beat Rotherham though in the first round. Are you taking um, insight from the ex-subs or are you just going going alone on this one? No, I'm taking insight from them, but they're useless. You're just firing shots everywhere today, <laughs> aren't you, buddy? This is like just, proper machine gun stuff. Just in that mood, Wendy. Let's get cracking. <laughs> uh, we released um, the latest in Straight Off the Training Ground episodes. That's me and Chris Summersell. It's basically Chris Summersell. Uh, I do a bit of hosting. It's it's really good stuff he's brilliant um it, i enjoyed it very much speaking about sort of conte so far over the christmas period and whatnot uh and the uh the, the four uh player transfers that chris would like to see us prioritize it was very enjoyable and we might be doing a, a live q a this week too if we can align our diaries so that'll be fun 
Let's get stuck into Brighton. Um, as ever, let's start with the lineup. No, no real surprises, I guess. Um, Nathan, were you slightly surprised at the arrangement of the centre backs? Uh, incredibly, I. Ooh. <laughs> I received a whole bunch of replies to, the, to my original lineup where I suggested that Romero would be wide and Davinson would be central. And they're all saying, surely it'll be Romero. Surely it'll be Romero in the middle. There's no way that Davinson's going to play in the middle. What are you on about? And I took a screenshot of those replies ready to later to come back to them. All aha, I told you so. And they know they were right and I was wrong. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was really surprised. I was really surprised because, um, because, so far, um, Conde has very much prioritised um, sort of defensive behaviour over anything else when it comes to um, the, his sort of allocation of centre backs. And uh, and Romero was super super aggressive, and that is a really poor fit, <laughs> a really uh, unnatural fit for the central role in a Conte system. And I didn't think we'd see it. Of course, the 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 alternative is that Davinson is poor on the ball. He's struggled when he's played central for us under every manager, basically. Um, and Brighton are a side who can press well, and that was sort of a, a nightmare waiting to happen. Um, and Romero is an absolutely outstanding passer. So I think there is an extent to which he's prioritised sort of... Um, on the ball behavior, over off the ball behavior, but I thought Romero was was excellent defensively as well, and he he used his aggressiveness in that essential role uh, pretty well. So I don't know. I, I I did find it surprising, but I I definitely find it pleasantly surprising that he would that he would prioritize things that way. That he would he would make that defensive risk in order to have a really you know because because you can imagine the half that we may well have had with Davinson in the central role and Brighton sort of you know playing two forwards on the wide centre backs and closing him down and making him play the ball a lot because we've seen that before and we didn't need to see that again I was going to challenge you on the the point of Conte prioritizing defensive behavior because I'm not I'm not sure we've had I'm not sure we've got the evidence to be able to say that definitively just because when Romero was fit before so was Dyer and okay. sort of um Dyer's long passing is also really really good so it kind of made sense for him to be in the center he's also you know Dyer is much more cattish than than Romero who's more doggish um so I guess that it made sense but but Sanchez can either be cat or dog yeah uh, and definitely doesn't have the passing and we know that the central center back in the system has more time to to pick passes they don't necessarily have the the same angle as the wide center back and I think you know Davis in particular has really benefited from having that crossfield angle he absolutely walloped a beautiful crossfield really flat crossfield out on one occasion Davinson's just not going to do the same but also he's not going to play any incisive passes from the center either so you're not kind of losing anything in that respect whereas you're gaining from Romero's increased passing ability being central I do think when Dyer's back they'll just revert back to yeah. you know, Romero right Dyer's central I think that makes sense but yeah I don't know that um, we've seen enough to know that Conte prioritizes defensive behavior rather than okay. passing but it's, in, it's definitely one to watch for in the future when we you know, have have a sort of variation of which defenders are available or which are selected. I do also think Davidson did a pretty good job carrying up from the from the yeah. wide position as well. He he did. I remember a couple of occasions, and I will I will um, caveat it by saying he was unchallenged. But 
his carrying was quick, which I think is is useful. Mm. Um, you know, he he's not good on at dribbling, Davinson Sanchez. It's not a skill of his, but you know, all professional footballers can carry unchallenged. And the thing that I think he did particularly well was he did, he was really urgent in his carrying, um, which obviously improves the ability of of Spurs to to move the ball forward quickly. The, what I what I quite liked is sometimes a player will get injured, and the longer they're out, the the better they become because it's just just a natural consequence. So I had a fear that perhaps Romero wasn't as good. I mean, that it wasn't as good as I, I built him up in my head to be. But he's absolutely fabulous. He's unbelievable. He, isn't he? he 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 is that good because over these last couple of months, that fear has built up that we've been like, oh, when Romero comes back in, the back three will just start working again, and. Yeah, that fear is now you've, relaxed. You've been He's burnt by um, when we thought that about Ben Davies making a wonky back forward work and you've been burnt by Lo Celso being our best player and going away injured yep. for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it, and, it, and it's great to see that he is actually that good. The way he was stepping across and Malpe didn't, didn't have a chance. He he just ate him for breakfast. He was like a little piece of fried bread pushed around uh, eggy yolk. It was unbelievable to watch. I am a huge Romero fan. It's it's still relatively early days, isn't it? We've not seen enough of him to sort of make statements. He's greatest ever modern defender. <laughs> He's so good, though. He really is. He's really, so good. really good. And I think... <laughs> That bit of recruitment just looks like fabulous work. I had my doubts. It really does. You know, I had, I had, I had some fears. I had some concerns. I thought that he was a, like a, a high upside, high downside transfer for a large fee. Mm-hmm. But he's, we've, we've really, uh, we've really got the good side of him. You know, the the, the real upside that because he was playing such a specific role in a specific way mm-hmm. in an extreme way that it's like, how well does that transfer? Well, it it, it turns out <laughs> it transfers brilliantly. Yeah. Well, Nathan, you, you retweeted an article, um, and I'm so sorry, I've forgotten who wrote it, but it was about Cucurella, the, uh, yeah. the the Brighton player, who yeah. he, he similarly was playing in a very specific system, in a very specific way. And um, what the article did was brilliantly lay out why and how the the system, or the, what Cucurella was doing in that system has translated to how he does in Brighton's system. And obviously, Cucurella is extraordinarily good, it was really good. his first season at Brighton. Yeah. I was really Who impressed was the with him. By? Um, uh, mm. uh, the weekend, I thought he, you know, as much as we we controlled that game, I thought he was probably Brighton's best player. He was really, really good passing. He is a very good player. Sometimes with these guys that, that have a kind of a natural feature that makes them stand out, they always catch your attention. But he is a very good player, and yeah, I like the look of him a lot. I'm just looking up who wrote it because I want to credit uh, him. Gold's analysis, Sam. Gold's analysis, or maybe it's goal analysis. No, I'm not sure. Yes, it is Sam Goal Analysis um, on Twitter. Go look up that article. Really, really good. And I definitely think the same thing can be applied to Romero. And, and hopefully Spurs did sort of similar work in, in checking how good a fit he would be. Um, although it doesn't even make sense because Conte wasn't in charge. So, no, who knows? He's just very good. Um, I, I, I do have a question. So Romero is that good. And if you play him in the centre, just allow him to play the dire role. Should we then just upgrade the right-hand side and then just make Dyer a squad rotation option? No, I want Romero on the right because I think 
I think there's ball carrying ability there that I, I think we need to capitalize on. I want to see him, I want to see him making underlapping runs and getting in the box. Like we've seen Ben Davis do on a few occasions because he's better. He's obviously a better footballer than Ben Davis. And if, if Ben Davis is making it look effective, then imagine what Romero can do pop up with a couple of goals every season. Okay. I'm excited. I'm really excited about him. And you know, when Dyer comes back as well, you've got another player who can, who can play a long pass. And it means that you can pick out Romero as well. It's, it's yeah, it's very encouraging. Very, very encouraging. Um, Romero, I thought, was excellent. I'd say he was our second best player. Our best player for me was Harry Kane, who I just thought was magnificent in this match. There are, there are certain individuals that just move like like superstars, and he's got that back now. Whatever was missing from his game, uh, even during the Euros, he looked a bit kind of lumpy and a bit slow. He's just back. He's got his zest back, and he looks like a different player. He looks like kind of uh, Pochettino Kane. He's he's a wonderful player. And the strange thing is he missed a kind of sitter when Sanchez missed uh, with Sanchez's kick, and then it came back out, and he scored the more difficult one. And it's it, it just a, a reminder that we don't appreciate Kane's range of goals that he can score. In this game, he scored from 25 yards and he scored from two inches and it's that it's that range of goals and that ability to score from anywhere that really sets him apart from from any other striker we had a lot of discussions about Kane at the beginning of the season and I, I actually feel quite smug because I was firmly insistent that it's just a matter of time before Kane gets good again it's a matter of time and getting him the ball in and around the box I was never for one second in doubt about that um, and he's he's obviously gone back to his previous levels. I mean, he he might even be above previous levels based upon the Ooh. shot numbers he's getting. It's <laughs> extraordinary how well he's playing in the last few games, and long may it continue. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, whilst I was convinced that he would get back to his best, I did have some doubts about whether I would ever feel quite the same way about uh. him again. Um, Bardi, are you, you, you've spoken about forgiveness and people learning from their mistakes. Are you fully forgiving of Kane at this point? Of course, if he scores goals and we win matches, I, I forgive every, I forgive most things, to be honest. Nathan? I, I am enjoying him very much, but it's still, the edge has just sort of been taken off mm. forever, I think, just a little bit. Yeah, that's where I am too. That's where I am too. I really loved his post-match interview from the Leicester game, seeing him sort of genuinely enthusiastic about the club again was really nice and praising Bergfine that was that was lovely uh and, and seeing him sort of continue his his good form in this match it kind of reminded me of yeah this this was the cane I've enjoyed watching but definitely what he did has taken the edge off things for me for sure um let's talk a little bit about the game generally I uh, I think maybe Brighton's formation was a slight surprise I think we I don't know we weren't expecting Kukurella to start as a left-sided centre-back in a back three and then they obviously switched to a back four partway through the game um Potter is obviously very flexible tactically and will do what he thinks is best to kind of get the um what's the word I'm looking for he's my mind's gone blank. There's a word. Uh, overloads. That's, okay. that's the one. He's trying to create overloads in what he thinks are the important areas of the pitch. Um, and I felt like, you know, Bryson are a possession team. This season, they've become even more of a possession team. Um, and they dominated possession in the early stages of the game, the first 15 minutes. And I was thinking, oh, okay, mm, not sure how this is going to go. They're kind of they're stopping us really creating too much. And then they kind of started making mistakes and we capitalised on them. And that was really, really impressive the way we did that. I mean, Kane was absolutely ruthless with the one from uh, um, from the Brighton centre-back, whose, again, name escapes me, Webster, Adam Webster. Webster. Um, he didn't capitalise on the mistake from Sanchez. 
But they did, I think they did a fairly good job at stopping us creating clear-cut chances, Brighton, without you know finishing their own chances. Uh, and for me, this was a very enjoyable game. I really, you know, I felt comfortable throughout. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing our new players get some minutes. But I didn't feel like we were um, absolutely playing at full tilt. I didn't feel like we clicked all over the pitch. It kind of felt like the circumstances of the match were to our advantage and actually... If Brighton hadn't made those mistakes, maybe it would have been a frustrating nil-nil. I mean, I'm I'm scared to go into this, but I I don't think Lucas played very well. I think his 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 link-up play was was a real problem for us uh, from from the start. Really, it's the weakest performance he's had for quite some time, and I think that was in part a big problem with mm. our attacking fluidity. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Lucas is he's struggling at the moment. He's he had that really good burst of form. And in the last few, that's just completely dissipated. He now has one goal in his last eight appearances, and that goal was against Morecambe. Uh, and I think it's time to start sort of experimenting with someone else, Bergwijn or Klosevsky, um, as he pronounces it in, in, in that position. Uh, Nathan, any thoughts from you on the sort of general ebb and flow of the game? I uh, I thought we I thought we started pretty strong. I thought the first half we were we were largely I thought we were actually <laughs> pretty much disagree whatever the book. <laughs> I thought we were pretty well prepared for their for their formation. I think we pressed them pretty well in the first half and then they changed to the back four uh, and and brought in um uh, sort of a deeper midfielder and that's when we sort of we weren't really prepared mm. for that that shape change. Um and Brighton had a better second half I thought, but I thought we had I thought we were really good in the first half uh, pretty much. Um, in terms of like oh, the thing with Lucas is like of course we're gonna say that you know like of 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 course like as soon as he has like an off game we're gonna be like well it was good while it lasted you know all of that kind of stuff I I mean yeah I I but no but that's not fair because we've we have let the last few go and he hasn't played well okay okay yeah right sure I I mean obviously my position is like what's bad for Lucas is good for Tottenham basically right mm-hmm. you know if mm-hmm. if if. Because I think that the reason we've played three four three so much is is a lot down to Lucas's very good form, and that maybe that's not best at Spurs. We can still say you know he's done really well to sort of once again as he as he has done repeatedly like carry us through the phases of a new manager. Like he's mm. he's um you know a very much a hit the ground running kind of guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I just think we have to be a little careful because like we we won't be like well it's time to drop Sun because he had three like <laughs> quiet games on the bounce. Um, but but also I do feel that way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arnie says, "Where was Emerson Royale's effort cross slash shot heading before the deflection?" Uh, throw in <laughs> on the left side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my take on that was that he'd made a really really impressive driving run forward, and he was just trying to win a corner off a defender, and he wasn't expecting it to sort of nick off a defender in the most extraordinary way and drop into the goal. From where I was sat, I thought I'd just seen an incredible goal. I thought <laughs> I, I thought he'd done like a, a mic on that. I think it was yeah. a, the 2010 World Cup where he just walloped it in from an angle. I, that's what I thought he'd done. And the way he celebrated and ran across the pitch <laughs> just just convinced me even more that he had done that. Um, obviously, it was a deflection. But I know, respect to him as well for celebrating a deflected goal. If I scored a deflected goal for Tottenham, I would celebrate exactly the same. Do you think there's a chance he doesn't know it's deflected and he he thinks it just like it went in and that's why he celebrated like he, no. he mic on it? No. Or is he no. trying, to, he is trying, he trying to, to like convince us that that was like fully deliberate with his with his degree of his celebration? No. So so Jack, one of the ex subs, said that 
the reason he sprinted over to that part of the the ground is because um, he was getting a lot of stick from that part of the ground oh, really? for his crossing. Yeah, in one of the previous matches, and so it was a kind of in your face <laughs> okay. type celebration. Well, fucking fair play really? to him then. <laughs> yeah, he just add the biod his own fans. <laughs> I like done. it more. Let's let's not yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. Back. <laughs> I yeah. thought there was like a crossing coach or somebody that he a ran crossing to. Crossing coach. <laughs> The highlights didn't really show the celebration. And it was one of those that when, when you're in the ground, you kind of get mixed up in the celebration. Then I looked for Emerson and he was on the bench and I didn't know why he'd gone over that way. But uh, yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out actually to a, a couple of the ex-subs I saw at the game. MD Null, who came over from the States with his wife to to watch the game. That, I mean, I complained that I come a long way, but he he probably trekked over. And then shout out to Cal, Cole and um, and Steve who were at the game as well. Just wanted to say hello. Nice. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little posse of ex-subs who um hang out before every game now which is which is all very the sweet. stone islands on all all, all looking for a little, little tooled up looking for a little bit of trouble <laughs> they come to you yeah friend, they? <laughs> no, they come to me i just run away i don't like trouble it's not my cup of tea uh so we saw some some debuts which was nice it was nice to be in the position where we could see some debuts and sort of feel confident and uh and comfortable about throwing new players in despite sort of not knowing the system at this stage um Buddy, I know you were rather taken by Rodrigo Bentancur's baby. Yeah, he was lovely, but I just want to. It was something that I just want to say about Kuliseski first. That it's um, it's so unfair for attacking players that they just get judged. He gets the ball twenty five yards out, and because he hasn't whipped it into the top corner, people are a little bit like, oh, I don't know about this guy. Like, <laughs> don't I don't reckon he's all that. And it is, it is a problem of attacking players. Immediately you judge them on, 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 on the numbers, on assists and goals. But it was great to see him. But yeah, Rodrigo Bentancur, he, he, he looked great. Got booked as well, which is a lovely sign. <laughs> and came back from international duty, uninjured. And he got about a pitch and he, he lovely little bit of skill. It was a really solid performance. And I was chatting to, to Cal and T before the game about players that have made their debut at the same time uh, or we bought at the same time from the same club and made their debuts together and even though I don't think they officially made their debut on the same day just Andy Reid and Michael Dawson that we were all really excited about Andy Reid but it was actually Michael Dawson who went on to have the better career and we were just pondering who was going to be the Andy Reid and who was going to be the Dawson between these two Did Ardiles and Villa make their debuts together? Ooh, yeah, that's a good shout. I was thinking um, Matthew Etherington and Simon Davis, who we signed from Peterborough as well. Um, uh, yeah. Etherington was the one with all the promise, and uh, and Davis was the the one who had the longevity. Same can be said for Kyle Norton and Kyle Walker. Mm-hmm. Norton was the one who was expected to make inroads, and Walker was one for the future. And it definitely did not turn <laughs> out that way. Uh, Kyle Walker obviously far surpassing Kyle Norton, who still you know got on to have a, a solid mm. career nonetheless. Um, but yeah, I, this was this was a really nice moment. I agree that Bentancur looked competent, confident, got his foot in. When he dangled a leg in the box that time, I was a little worried that he was going to give away a penalty on debut, which wouldn't have been great. Uh, and to everyone criticising K- Kulisevsky, I'm saying Kulisevsky because that's how he pronounced it in the welcome video. Okay. Um, uh, you idiots for, 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 <laughs> for jumping to criticise him after 25 Get minutes him. of football for Spurs absolute cretins uh give him an opportunity to to do what he can uh but <laughs> he is going to drive spurs fans mad because um he wants touches he wants he he, he does so this is this is my takeaway from from that and I, I have watched clips of him as well but i think it was very clear in that match 
obviously uh, he wants to receive the ball on his left foot. He feels much more comfortable receiving on his left foot, but also he wants to receive on his left side. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you look at someone like Mohamed Salah, who obviously is incredibly left-footed as well, he will quite often receive with his left foot but on the right side of his body. So he'll let the ball run across him, whereas whereas Klosevsky kind of wants to step inside. And that's going to drive Spurs fans bananas because it will be... What they will say is he keeps slowing down our counter-attacks. He keeps slowing us down. Mm. He is quite stodgy in you know he, he's not he's not the slickest with his movement and he wants to step inside of the ball and so the the the, the optics for that aren't great. What I would say is watch what comes next because he's a really good creative passer and I think as much as he might slow the ball down when it comes to him, he'll then speed things up with the way he moves the ball on. So just give him a chance to show that side. He, definitely, his his biggest strength is his disguised. Passing and he disguised the pass so well to Hoybier that Hoybier just stood still yeah. and watched it go past him. <laughs> Which I'm sure Barney he, 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 yeah. <laughs> he did a nice pass to Bergvine as well that Bergvine should have scored. He bubbled a little bit. I don't know if that was in the pass or on the pitch, but uh, mm. yeah, it made it. But there is something there is something about him when he does receive the ball that you, you can see why there's so much hype about him and why he's he's only 21 and you know mm. it took Salah until he was 26, 27 maybe until he really found out who he was and what kind of player he was. So there's plenty of time there. Do you remember when we played um, Baal in what like 2012, mm. 2013, and and we saw Salah there and he was this sort of like flashy, unproductive winger who who gave whoever our fullback was a nightmare that game, but didn't sort of really. Do all that much with it after the fact, yeah. I don't know. He was, uh, I think, I I might tweet at the time. He was one of the best players I'd I'd seen for quite some time at White Hart Lane. He was he was so good that that evening. Yeah, absolutely. Give him time. Uh, let him bed in. Let him get used to the system. Work out what he needs to do. Uh, but yeah, excited about him. It was interesting that he came on in a three four three on the right side of a three four three, and then by the end of the match, we'd reverted to a three five two, and he was playing on on the right of a midfield three. And mm. I think um, Nathan had already pointed out that versatility previously that he could play numerous positions. Conte has gone one step further and said that he could play as a oh, right yeah. wing back. Oh, oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. After I, after I laughed at the idea off the last episode, <laughs> I was like, what a, what a ridiculous thing to say. And Conte said, no, he can play wing back. Apparently he, he played um, two games for a uh, wing back uh, for Juventus. So um, I guess I'll try to hunt those down. But uh, I mean, I <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, uh, I personally, I prefer Lucas for that role before Kudelski, and I prefer sincerely, I prefer Bentinker for that role. Um, I think I think that would be a really good fit for him. But anyway, um, sure, I guess he can do it. So I guess he's done it before. I guess he's an option. One thing I would say, uh, Chris Summersell did this video of of Conte automations, and one of them was. Um, uh, wrong-sided wing-backs yeah. playing reverse part, really creative reverse passes. And you've already pointed out that he plays a lovely disguised pass, uh, having come inside off off the the right-hand touchline. And so that would fit well with one of those Conti automations. Okay. Okay. Uh, Adam TDM says Basuma was brilliant. Why does he always play well against us? Would he be a good way to spend the Ndombele money? I mean, he he's I believe he's to Don Bail, so I sort of don't really want to um, mm. acknowledge him. You know, uh, yeah, he was good. He's he, yeah, sure, he's often good against us. I just I just don't I don't really want to think about his sort of his value as a player. To be honest, we were linked with him in January, weren't we? But 
um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel a bit sort of uncomfortable there's, there's, about the whole situation. Yeah, there's way too much hanging over him still, I think, at this point. Uh, so if anyone's not familiar, he, he was charged with... Uh, or he was arrested for suspected sexual assault yeah. uh, and has been bailed. Um, and we await the outcome of that. So I would hope the Spurs wouldn't sign a player with that hanging over them. That would be a huge error of judgment. Uh, but yeah, clearly he's a very talented footballer and he had a strong match for Brighton. What did you make of Lamptey? He's so small. I mean, <laughs> we know he's tiny, but he's really, really small. He's like a child compared to some of our players, but he, he was good. But I, I don't know. I don't know if Conte will go for a player of his stature. He's that small. That he's, he's just, he's just, he's not any help at any corner. He might, he might as well stay up front. It's just, yeah, not much use. I remember being surprised every time I saw Aaron Lennon in person. Hmm. It's, it's kind of That's like true. That. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's smaller. There was, a, we were trying to remember the, the Wigan player that came on once that was tiny. It was when Harry Redknapp, um, had just won his court case and it was just before things dipped in that final season of his. And I think that guy was probably the smallest player I'd ever seen up until Lamptey. He must be 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, something like that. Yeah. He played right wing for some of the games. Yes. And he, he did it fairly competently. <laughs> I mean, he got taken off. They're still managing his minutes after his significant hamstring injury. Yeah. So I guess that was why he was taken off. I thought he did a fine job, but wasn't spectacular. I still really like him. Okay. I just, I just think he's 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 going to be too expensive for 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 as good as he is. He's he's out of our range. I think to mm. be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I want to give a couple of shout outs. Matt D asked about Romero. We we spoke about Romero, and uh, Matt Smith spoke um, asked about Klusevski playing as a, a wing back as well. And we've obviously done that too. Uh, anything else we would like to say on the Brighton match? How was the atmosphere, Bardi? Uh, the atmosphere was pretty good. It was. Um, Seems good for It always home. is. Yeah, it always is when it's late on a Saturday night and people people been out. They can enjoy themselves the whole day. It, it was good. I mean, bit of a hellish night kickoff for for Saturday and all the tra- travel and everything else like that. But you know, they don't really take fans into account these days. But um, yeah, it was a good atmosphere and good spirit all round. And um, we got the job done. That's the main thing. We now face Middlesbrough in the next round, which I think is a fairly good draw, to be honest, based on who is left. Um, shame it's not at home, but we should have the beating of Middlesbrough, you'd hope. I mean, the only thing about the draw is all the big teams have missed each other. So mm, yeah, that's if, we get, if we get through, the next round's going to be incredibly hard. We, we, I was kind of hoping that a Chelsea, City or Liverpool would draw each other and knock one of them out. But uh, it, it's, if we get through this, we just have to accept the fact it's going to be a really tough next round. Absolutely. So Conte said this week, it means maybe in the past you have to see what you did and maybe to understand that there were some mistakes in the past because usually you have to buy players to reinforce your team. But if you send away players on loan you bought in the last two or three years, it means maybe you did something wrong in the past. Uh, so we can say that that is about Dombele and Lo Celso. He also spoke about, or very, very much heavily implied, so he was speaking about Hill when he talked about like a talented player um, who's maybe not right for the Premier League. I think mm. Hill is uh, is doing well so far on his loan. Yeah. He's had two good appearances. Uh, he, he he's drawing uh, David Silver comparisons from the manager. Yeah. I, I believe um, he's a good player, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't know. I um 
I kind of feel and have done for a while that the the physical differences between the top five leagues are overplayed. But but Conte is one of the best managers in the world, and he says he's a player who can play well in La Liga and 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 be a physical misfit. The thing, I don't think I don't think it is because Hill is like small, right? I don't think it's that much a strength thing. I don't think it's, he's bodied off the wall. I think it's probably more of a stamina thing. Um, and could it be a pressing thing? Uh, I, maybe, but yeah, it's like can he can he keep it up for you know for sixty or more minutes? But I meant more that um, are there there are so many pressing teams now in the Premier League. Is it that in La Liga there are fewer teams that, that press intensely, so perhaps he gets more touches, more time to kind of feel his way into a game? I mean. At Valencia, they're going to play a lot of sort of mid and deep block and counter, and he's going to be mm. receiving under pressure and trying to break through into the space behind. I don't know. Okay. I, I guess. I guess if I guess if it is sort of a more general physicality thing, he's being sent to a team who are going to play in a very physical way. So at least that kind of makes some sense. Um, I don't. Know, I just. I just find it kind of kind of surprising that it's that it's that severe that you can have a player that talented and that he can just be considered not applicable for Premier League football. Yeah, and I, mu- I must say, I do sort of disagree with Conte's quote. I sort of take issue with the, the maybe you did something wrong because I, I, I reiterate again. I think the signings were good at the time. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing we did wrong was appoint Jose Mourinho. Sure, I, I, but maybe so... he's still, maybe he means that in a way as well. Maybe it's it's you know, the, I think you can absolutely say that the strategy the club has taken has not matched yes. the players that the club have in their squad. Uh, well, okay, yeah. So uh, Charlie Eccleshire wrote an article for The Athletic um, making this argument pretty well. Um, the thing with saying, like, maybe the mistake was, was Jose Mourinho, Conte has not been um, afraid to directly criticise Mourinho in the past. So if he meant Mourinho, he would have said Mourinho. Fine. Um, and maybe he will. I'm sure he's waiting for the right opportunity to, <laughs> to do that again because they like the slide dig at each other, those two. Um, yeah, I, I, the the the... The argument that's being made is that we didn't do a proper sort of behavioral psychological profile of Ndombele, right? Because there was a, a well sort of documented case for him being sort of, uh, lazy or disfocused or arrogant or whatever, um, through his youth career. And then he sort of got it together for a couple of years, um, immediately, you know, set league on, on fire for two different clubs, uh, and, and his value rocketed. But like, I don't think that we like failed to account for that. I don't think that the that we ignored that or or didn't look that up uh, or didn't hear about that. My suspicion is that we went look. This is a player who you know, if Mourinho was a manager, if if Nuno Espirito Santo was a manager, maybe if Conte was a manager, here's someone who he wouldn't buy. But here's Pochettino, and he says I can work with players like this. I can get the best out of him. He might take a year to settle in, and for that reason, he was he was a good transfer for Pochettino. Charlie makes the point in his article, and, and I completely agree that the, really the damage was done the summer before. We didn't buy anyone, and then we were left in this dire situation where we needed and Dombele and ourselves to come in and immediately hit the ground running and carry the team, and they weren't in that that place either of them as players really so I mean yeah I mean, we we made the same argument before really on, on this podcast we don't need to keep treading over it again but I think it's harsh to just say these were mistakes um, and not consider mm. the, the circumstances then and now yeah and I guess what Conte is saying which is more important is if you if you're in a position where it's not working out it's better just to cut your losses and move on sure, um, sure. yeah that's, that's a good of point that's fair sunk, sunk cost fallacy and all that um, 
Uh, shout out to RR10 who asked a question about uh, the Celso and Ndombele, uh, and and you've essentially answered that already, Nathan. Um, I like this one from Jam Scones. He says, "Who from the current squad would be in your bobsled team? You need a driver, two people to push, and someone on the brakes." Who's? I mean, I I think Romero would be an extraordinary pusher. I mean, not only is he physically strong, he's fast uh, and and has oodles of of uh, enthusiasm and seem seemingly has no regard for his own <laughs> health. So I really like the Winter Olympics, and I'm really into <laughs> because it. Italy are doing well. That's why you like the Winter Olympics. Well. But but um, I've also seen cool runnings many many times. So I think I, I have a handle on what makes a bobsleigh. So the guy at the front, he's got to be focused and he's got to be sensible. So he's not the one that's going to be partying in the bar with the with the Swiss. He he needs to be at home and focused. Ben Davies, so, daddy. I, I think driving. We got Ben Davies or yes. Harry Kane. That's who I'd go driving because Harry Kane, you know, he knows how to hit the corners and do everything. And Ben Davies is just going to eat boiled chicken <laughs> with only a little bit of seasoning these days. And then at the back, you've got the brake man. And the brake man is just, he all he is is basically weight, gravity to help you go down. He's got to be able to push a bit, but he doesn't need much skill involved. So I've penciled in Dyer yeah, or, or Hjoiberg, <laughs> one of those two. One of those two. I mean, Hjoiberg is a cement mixer, so he's pretty heavy. So he goes down. And then obviously you need the runners. This is where, this is how you pick up momentum. And Sanchez is the fastest and fastest person in our team, no? He always clocks up the highest kind of speed. And alongside him, I'd have Romero. Those two would be my pushers. And then Davies or Harry Kane at the front. And then Dyer or Schoeberg as, as the brakeman. I think Son might be our fastest. But he's not got he's not got gravity because what you need to push fast and then you need to have weight to get in there as well. <laughs> we didn't talk about Son's run. <laughs> Son has once again mm. uniquely dribbled in a straight line through the middle of a team in a way that <laughs> no other player can do just with the perfect not, weight of his touch every time. Not even Traore could do that, just <laughs> no. a straight run through people. And it felt like as well that it felt like he just made the decision to do it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this now. And it happened. And it kind of, what I took from that is that he can just do that whenever he decides he wants to do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like He was like fully in control Gump. of that moment. And he was just like, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna run. It's gonna run through the whole of the defense, yeah. and and I, I I I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again next week. You know, <laughs> I, I really feel like he could just do that if he wanted to. Um, and the the acceleration was incredible, really incredible. Like to, from a standing start, basically, really really impressive. Um, I like your I like your team, Bardi. Um, Son would be a, a speed skater. If I had to choose a speed skater, I'd, I'd whack him in some lycra and get him um, going on the going around the ice cube ring. I'm just thinking. I'm not sure about the 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 breaker. That's the that's the one I've got. They just need to be heavy and then pull the brake. That's it. Push the brake down. I think it's a push. Uh, have they also got to be quite brave? Like you know, if, if no, you break too much, anything. if you if you break too much though, you you're just slowing down the whole mm. the whole affair. You've got to really sort of push it to the limit. I think I think Dyer no. is bold enough, mm. brave enough. You know, some of his some of his past passing choices. He's he's got some character. He's got some fire. You can put Davinson in that role. He'd just be screaming on the brakes the whole time. Yeah, but 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 Dyer Dyer's got the the balance. Eric Dyer is is, is so brave that he's investing in NFTs oh, and God. posting about crypto. That's how brave he is. Oh. A sincerely brave man, backing brave Joe man. Rogan. <laughs> Brakemen are the grunts of the bobsleigh. They don't need to do anything special. They just need gravity, a bit of strength, and then just hit that button. Nice. Um, Elliot G says, what's a hobby or interest that you enjoy talking about outside of sports? 
bobsled. That's <laughs> what. Um, this is kind of something I've been um been thinking about recently. I was talking to 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 my girlfriend about it. How like um because of my ADHD, because of my lack of ability to concentrate um on things, the things that do capture my attention are like generally sport. So like. Obviously, football is like my main thing that has become my career. But then, like, I really like mixed martial arts on the side. And then, like, I'm into a video game at the moment, which is Rocket League, which is like a simulation of a competitive sport. Everything, everything that that captures my attention and my imagination is 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 competitive sports based, except for music. Music is the only thing outside of of competition that that I really like. Hmm. How about you, Bardi? Um, I enjoy I enjoy running. I enjoy um, cooking. I enjoy talking about cooking, talking about food, talking about running. That's really yeah. <laughs> those are my kind of interests. That's, that's, with with running for me and with weightlifting, it's always about like competitively improving on my previous <laughs> score. Right? It's about doing. I'm um, competing against myself. So I've um I've started to tone down my competitiveness in in my in my running. I, I realize now I'm. 40 and i'm not going to get much faster uh i'm just going to get slower from here on in and it's just about maintaining maintaining a good physical shape and trying to one day my, my, my aim is to run the london marathon this this october close to 330 as possible that's 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 my major goal i know it's not super fast but for me that's that's what i'm aiming for and it's more about challenging myself but uh, yeah others outside of sports i don't know, enjoy a good film enjoy a good tv show but you're right football and tottenham take up most of my time yeah i really i i watch a lot of um tv shows and films as well but i've mentioned this before like almost the second i finish something i basically instantly forget everything about it which makes then holding a conversation about it in the future really challenging <laughs> so like there's lo- i mean i've i've watched we've binged loads of tv shows recently and really like the tourist we really enjoyed the tourist and i'm already because i've watched two things since then i'm already struggling to remember all the things i liked about the tourist so i'm not a very good conversationalist because my memory is terrible basically that's a cop out isn't it um, Adam NDTM, another question from Adam. Uh, what did Steve Hitchin actually do? Uh, so Steve Hitchin has parted ways with with Spurs this past week. Um, which said a, a mixed response, I think. I think there are people that kind of acknowledge that Hitchin seems to have done some good things for the club. There are others who were, were taken in by the sort of all or nothing meme about Hitchin not liking the gen- January transfer window. Uh, it's been really difficult to kind of get a handle on on what Hitchin's responsibility was at Spurs and his achievements, uh, but it seems like he identified some good players, right? <laughs> we don't know. We we can we can only <laughs> guess, but there is definitely um, a considerable assumption that he was this just like bumbling idiot who always signs the worst possible players. And now Perotti's going to come in and going to completely transform us. I I I am resistant to that idea. I'm not sure that was the case. Um, uh especially with the reporting around like the managers so he he apparently wanted us to cite you yeah. know what was pushing for ten hag and graham potter which is obviously were my two yeah. picks um and flick before that as well who i think is very good um i don't know i then, then paratici arrives and goes for gattuso gattuso and then nuno hmm but after after Conte and then Conte again, of course. But but still, uh, a little suspicious. I um 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, we can't know. We can only sort of speculate. I, I am not that resistant to the idea of this guy who repeatedly identified the best possible targets, took them to Levy, and then Levy said, right, which one is, who can we get deals on? Um, and then when he finally, you know, did get, you know, and Domble and Lacelso and Clark and Sesson, you'll go over the line. Which again, you know, on, were good transfers at the time. They haven't worked out. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling that that Hitchens' thing is is talent ID and not all the other duties that come around the sort of seniority yeah. of the role that he was in. And Paratici perhaps is is better at that kind of uh, higher level work, even though talent ID might not be his thing. Which is kind of what I was getting at last week when I was saying I want the balance to be in favour of the the experts in the recruitment team, not <laughs> heavily balanced towards Paratici and his pr- people he's worked with previously. Although you know perhaps that'll work out really well and with Conte and Bentancur and and Klusevsky. Um Yeah, Bardi, how do you feel about Hitchin leaving? Any any regrets? I feel sometimes I feel a little bit mean when I take the mick out of Hitchin because you're right, we don't know what he did. And that obviously opens himself up to ridicule. And Amazon didn't do a good job with him, but it didn't do a good job with quite a few of our players. They made quite a few of our smart players look a bit stupid. That's what these kind of TV shows do. Um, you know, we don't know. We don't know what he did. I'd like to think he had some positive impact. Bergwijn looks like being a good player. Sessignon will work out as being a good player. So if they can walk away with two or three kind of good hits from their transfer business, then, then that's all you. That's all that matters, really. Kamoli, Arneson, they've all had one or two. Even Polite had one or two. That's the most you can hope for. For sure. And I thought this question from Ray Guilford um, followed on from that nicely. So this is, bear with me, it's quite a lengthy one. Uh, Ray says, do you think we should start taking a Dortmund type approach with our player recruitment? What I mean by this is give players a platform to perform at the highest level, but not hold them back from the very elite clubs if they come knocking by means of a reasonable release clause in all new signing contracts. Let's take our latest link in Luis Diaz. We could offer the said required amount of 60 million euros to sign the player, but the player himself is unsure as we're not an elite club at the moment. And he looks at others stuck here and who haven't been allowed to move, Kane, for example. If we signed him with a release clause, which could be activated in, say, 18 months into his contract of, let's say, 95 million euros, the player knows what, that he's allowed to, what he's allowed to leave for. He can perform at the best of his ability for all that time in the hope that he seals a move to a giant club. If they progress and a giant club isn't interested, it's a simple deal for everyone. The fans, I believe, would be on board with this as they will know that's how we signed the player in the first place. We may well sell the player undervalued this way, but but never are we not making a profit. We can then reinvest and go again. I know that depends on a very good scouting network, but we must be able to attract the players that are very good, that the Giants don't want to take a punt on just yet until they're proven. You could use this scenario for a number of players previously signed or who we've been linked with. I mean, that does tap into the fear of Tottenham being a selling club. I've we've always spoke we always speak about this. We should sell our players, and um, but there is a there is a, a fear in England about selling players makes you weaker, and it doesn't really. It should make you stronger. Um, I think I think it would be a smart move to do that if there's a, a way out for a player who performs well. This is the target: perform well, and we'll sell you for hundred million pounds. Then I, I think that's totally reasonable. The Dortmund have made some mistakes along the way with this kind of method, uh, and the sort of the main issue for them is the number of players that have gone directly to their big rival for the for the league. Um, but sure, yes, to the, to the general point, I don't know. I don't think if the argument is that the players would be more likely to join us if they, if, they, if they have a release clause, maybe maybe a little bit. Um, but I think that we have a significant enough pull um, that that shouldn't matter. Or, you know, I I don't think that. 
we should completely close off the idea. Um, but I don't think it's something that we need to reach to quite so readily. I'm sure we should, there should be bigger turnover. We should sell players when they're at the, um, that are a high value and everything else. Sure. Um, but it's okay also to, to say, well, here's Harry Kane and he came to our academy and, and we're going to hang on to him or whatever. We don't have to sell absolutely everyone. Um, but of course, yeah, as, as, as Ray rightly points out, it starts with, <laughs> with good scouting and, and <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'm with you. Um, Oh, I like the I like the concept. There was a question. I don't know if it's in the in the list here. Someone said, and this has been a discussion point as well. Um, we talked about Luis Diaz, and we said um, he's a weird person for us to be going after. He doesn't really see what we're trying to do, etc. And then we also said, but it's you know a brilliant bit of business by Liverpool because he's going to replace Mane, but Mane and Son are close in age so why do we have those two different perspectives i i can't remember who asked that but i'd seen that is being a discussion point quite a bit well my my answer to that is that liverpool are just at a different stage in their process to us i mean they, they've got quality across the board they could afford to now look at, at future proofing their team and sort of having someone who's good to go we i don't think we're there yet i mean it's i love the concept of this player becomes available who's who could be genuinely elite let's get in and sign him ASAP, but I would sooner prioritise the real problem areas at this stage. I don't think we're far away from that. I think, you know, future proofing is something we should be looking to do, particularly with players like Son and, and Lloris. Um, but there are bigger whole, there are bigger, um, uh, f- floor raisers in this squad that we, I mean, I'm thinking right wing back is such an obvious upgrade at the moment. I think left centre back, although Ben Davis is performing well, you know, getting in a quality left centre back will who's as good as Romero, say, will mean, you know, it takes us to the next level. Um whereas replacing Son or buying a some competition for Son is a good thing to, to do in theory, but it's not gonna have an impact now. It's it's something for the future and, and I'd rather us fix the key issues first. Whereas Liverpool they don't really have any key issues, let's be honest. They're, they've just got quality across the whole pitch. And so they can think forward and, and look at the future and, and plan for life after Mane and eventually Salah by signing players like Luis Diaz. Just going back to, to Ray's question briefly, I think this is a really good concept. So I think it might be more suitable for a club at a level just below Spurs. I mean, I think with Conte, I mean, he's made this clear as well. We should be focused on challenging for the title. And I think when you're focused on challenging for the title, you just don't do that kind of selling. I mean, maybe you said abroad, maybe, maybe that it could be written in that they, they could, they could, uh, there's a minimum fee release clause, but it's only to clubs based outside the Premier League. So Paris Saint-Germain come knocking and that's fine, but we wouldn't sell to Chelsea or Man City, like, for example, West Ham are going to do with Declan Rice. You know, he's going to probably go to another Premier League club and that's going to strengthen one of their rivals and be really difficult. Um, I think Conte's yeah, spoken uh, I, or something about this recently. I can't remember the exact quote, but I think he suggested... Um, that like we can't just buy young players if we want to 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 contend. We have to. I, I can't. Really, I don't want to misquote him and and um and, and misquote what he said. But he he did say something along these lines recently. I think. And I think that's right. I think we have to buy players for now and players for the future. I think we we need to have two separate transfer strategies going on. Essentially, you need to have the kind of yes, it hasn't worked out so far, but the Jack Clark type strategy where you identify good young players, Jed Spence being another who we looked at over the uh, the January transfer window, get in early on these players and then loan them out like we've done with, with Saar. Um, but also you do need to buy for now. And I think Bentancor is absolutely a, a, an example of us doing that. Um, Klasevsky possibly also. 
So Conte, I'm, I, I, I find Conte completely right if that's what he said. But I genuinely believe that we should be pushing towards the title within the next two years. You know, we've got to take this chance with Conte as, as manager. You don't get managers at that level come along too often when you're a club like Spurs. You know, we've proven time and time again that our managerial appointments have not been the best. So we've got to capitalise on it. And to do that, I, I just don't think selling your best players is, is possible right now. I mean, it, as soon as Conte goes, the situation's different, probably. But, you know, holding on to Kane in hindsight was absolutely vital. Any thoughts, Barty? No, no, I agree. I think within two years we should be tight, challenging for the title, and I, I think I think we will be. I, I don't know. I don't know if we have enough. It really depends what happens uh, with Guardiola at City and mm. Liverpool with Klopp with, when he finally goes on his sabbatical. But I do. I do think there's there will be a window there within the next two years to, to properly have a, a crack at it. For sure, I watched the under twenty threes earlier, or I watched about an hour of the under twenty threes earlier. We got battered by Crystal Palace four one. And uh, and we had a sending off from the last minute. Fagan Walcott got sent off for clotheslining a Crystal Palace player. It was absolutely ludicrous. Um, and I mention this because uh, two of our fringe first team players were involved. Dane Scarlett played up front and Alfie Devine played in midfield. Um, I'm really excited about Alfie Devine. I think he's a special talent. I think he's I think he's going to be really good. And I noticed that Harry Brooks, who went to the game, uh, he he tweeted also about Alfie Devine and the fact that he could be ready for some Spurs action now. Well, I don't disagree. I think you know physically he's he's ready. Uh, he he wasn't incredible in this game, but he just looks the part. He's everything he does is so measured. Um, he's got a great football brain. He's good at running. He's strong. He's got a good vision. There's so much potential there to work with. Um, I was a bit worried about Scarlett post-match, I must say. I think this season has been a really poor one so far, developmentally for Scarlett. Uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned many times that I'm not a fan of the, the plan A, plan B approach, and, and Scarlett was definitely lumped in with a plan B approach uh, under Nuno, spearheading a team which was like a mix of <laughs> unwanted players and young players who didn't have any kind of rhythm or understanding of one another. And Scarlett just got battered several times in some of those Europa Conference League matches. And I don't think he's done his confidence any good. He he really looks at the moment like he needs a goal or two desperately. And uh, he, he struggled a bit, to be honest, for the 23s today. Um, Palace have got a, a really good young centre-back who pff, didn't have too many problems with Scarlett. Having said that, he did set up Divine for the, the one goal we scored with a really nice three-pass. Other than that, I was quite impressed with Michael Craig playing defensive midfield. He played pretty well. Um, but, you know, we've taken from that under-23 team, we've take, we've sold Markande, we've loaned out Jack Clark and Niall John, who are two of the other best-performing players. And Harvey White is now, I guess, seen as a first-team player, so he wasn't playing. And Jamie Bowden, who's re- re- uh, returned from Oldham, he wasn't playing either for some reason. So there was a lot of quality suddenly missing, and it was very, very apparent that that was the case. Um, there'll be some good, hopefully, learning opportunities for some of our young players at the back end of the season. So, you know, I don't think all's wasted, but I am worried about Scarlett's development. Who manages the under-23s? It's Wayne Burnett. Yeah, and he had them playing some really good stuff at the start of the season. But if I'm honest, I think that's just down to player quality. I think Markande, Clark, White and John were just too good for the level, which... <laughs> Again, makes me question the development pathway because they were so good that what were they actually getting from it at that point? They should have been on loan in the first place. Um, I don't know. 
hopefully the player the players coming into the team will will gel as they play more and and finish the season strongly so they've got some kind of forward momentum going into the summer and then can come back and hit preseason hard and and try and impress some of the preseason sessions but i do worry a bit about i mean i've said this so many times but the the link between the academy and the first team at spurs is is not well managed in my opinion and uh, I, I do have some concerns about that i'm hoping that that alfie divine will get some first team involvement at some point even if it's just like the occasional substitute appearance because he's a really special talent you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to nathan a clark for production thanks to bardi for being italian thanks to adam gardner for the artwork thanks to david lindmer for our intro music you can find him on twitter at davy shambles and his soundcloud e lindmer do check him out he's great follow us on twitter and facebook at the extra inch Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.